0: Good morning. All right, this morning, we are going to be in a few places in our Bibles. So if you do not have a Bible, you are going to need a Bible. We have Bibles for you um, in the back of the church. We have a couple back there. Um, otherwise, get your Bibles out. We are going to be in John chapter 10 to start off this morning. And What I would like to do is I would like to read this passage, I would like to pray, and then I would like to unpack it. So um, if you got your Bibles... John chapter 10. If you're on your smartphone, you can flip to John chapter 10, wherever you're at. I personally prefer hearing the flipping of pages. I love that sound. It is uh, such a joyful sound. John chapter 10, 11 through 15. John chapter 10, 11 through 15. This is Jesus speaking to the public, and he says, I am the good shepherd. God, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to come together as your people and to worship you through song, through prayer, through your word. God, I pray that you would speak so audibly this morning. God, I pray that you would use this, this moment to draw us closer to you. I pray that you would use this moment to give us a desire to love those who are around us. God, I pray that if, if it comes at the cost of making me look like a fool, that you would make your name shine this morning. God, use this moment to, to help us love you more and love those around us. Lord, we love you. You are so good. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So unfortunately, I had like scripted in here, awkwardly say Merry Christmas to everyone and fumble through the three days of Christmas thing, but Jay already took that from me, so we're going to have to work on that a little bit next time. But (laughs) this morning is going to be a little bit of a combination of kind of taking us from the Christmas season and then launching us forward into 2021. At least that's my hope, that's my prayer. And so, um, I feel like as, as it has been kind of this landmark year of 2020, we have this opportunity to extend Christmas out a little bit, and we are going to do it. So I was given the opportunity to preach on, on whatever I wanted. I was given the, the chance, like, hey, Christoph, um, we're, we're going to start something new next week, so you, you get to pick what you want. And what I wanted to share this morning, and what I felt like God really impressed on my heart... Um, was this truth that weighed heavy on me over the month of Advent, over this season of Advent. Um, and after reading John chapter 10, it's not going to come to you as a surprise that this theme, this motif of Jesus being our great shepherd, left this impression on my heart over the last month. Um, my hope this morning is that as we walk through this great truth that Jesus is our great shepherd. He is worthy of being the one to follow that we would find a, a great hope, joy, and peace in who Jesus is, the work he has done, and the world that he has called us to walk in. Um, during the month of December, I took the youth through a series called Mary Did You Know. Um, and there were two reasons why I picked this popular Christmas song title for the name of our series. The first reason, is that it is well known by our students and anyone in the student ministry that that song drives me absolutely crazy. Now, before you get upset with me, because I know that there are a lot of people who really enjoy that song, it is a beautiful song, I understand that. You are allowed to love that song. It is a beautiful song. But for me, every single time I hear that song, I just want to go, Yes! She knew! Why are we singing this? Listen. It became so well known that this song drove me crazy that the youth would go onto the computer and they would like put it into the song queue, and like every song was "Mary Did You Know" playing in the background of the youth wing. Drove me crazy. But the second reason, and kind of the more uh, practical reason why I named the series "Mary Did You Know," is because I wanted to take the youth through, uh, through kind of looking a few looks at these Old Testament prophecies. that that happened in the Old Testament, and how they were fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. And then what I wanted to do, is when, when we connect those prophecies, I wanted to ask the questions, what does this teach us about God, and what does this teach us about ourselves? Because as we're celebrating Advent, there are some incredible truths about who God is, and who we are because of who God is, and how we are called to live with one another that we get to uniquely look at during the Advent season. And so for the very first week, we looked at Isaiah chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to let you open up to Isaiah chapter 11. So let's let's read part of this together. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Let's jump down to verse 10: "In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him shall the nations inquire, His resting place shall be glorious." It's something really cool. We, we, we miss out on this sometimes when we read the Bible. Is, isaiah was written 700 years before the birth of jesus 700 years before the birth of jesus isaiah was written and the and the, the prophetic piece that we looked at the, the piece that was was so interesting to me and i think is, is 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 really cool is right in verse one there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of jesse and see the hope of israel would come from the stump of Jesse. The one who would bear fruit for the people of God, the one who would judge with righteousness and fairness, the one who would bring equity for the meek, the one who would cause the wolf to lay with the lamb and the leopard to lay with the goat would be from the stump of Jesse. And what they're saying here is that Israel was once this giant tree, strong tree, and now is only a stump. But from this stump would come hope. Now, if you know your history in the Old Testament or of the Israelites, you would know that Jesse was the father of David. And so he's talking a little bit here about David, that it refers to someone in the past, King David. And and, and the the Bible does this unique thing where it takes things from the past and it then uses it to teach us about the future. We ultimately see this this very physical uh, fulfillment of this prophecy in Jesus, right? In Matthew 1.1, right in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's an important part of the Christmas story. It's an important part of the birth of Jesus that he would have been from the genealogy of David. It is an incredible testament to the working hand of God that, uh, that, that David, who began his reign as the king of Israel in about 1010 B.C., so we're talking a thousand years now before Jesus, would be used to explain the future coming of a king who would not just reign over flesh and blood, but would have reign over our souls. I I love pointing out the dates here because uh, David was 300 years before Isaiah, and Isaiah was 700 years before Jesus. And, and sometimes we see big numbers, and it's just like, we get lost and, and just kind of think, okay, that's a big number. But I think about 700 years, we're talking 700 years ago from now was the 1300s. We're talking before the Protestant Reformation. We're talking before the printing press. God's goodness and power on display through the stories of history. And I cannot help but look in awe at his power when I see it at work over these many, many years. It's hard to argue against the sovereignty of God when we see prophecies being fulfilled 700 years later in the birth of Jesus. Now, with that said, you might go, that's very cool, Christoph. What about the whole shepherd thing? I'm glad you asked. You were paying attention. Thank you. If you're wondering that, we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 34 now, so we're going to we're going to hop over from Isaiah. If you're still in Isaiah, it's a little bit to the right. Ezekiel chapter 34, 23 through 26. So if you've got your Bibles, turn over to that. I know we're kind of going all over the place, but follow me. I promise you this all makes sense. And before we read this passage, before we read these these three verses, I want to recap part of the beauty of Christmas is seeing God's power on display throughout history by the prophetic claims that came true through the birth of Jesus, God in control of it all. One of these claims was that the Savior would be born from the bloodline of David. Now, Ezekiel. By the way, if you're following along, if you've got your chart out and you're writing down the dates, 150 years after Isaiah. Ezekiel 34, 23 through 26. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. And he shall feed them and be their shepherd, and, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be a prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like something maybe we read in John chapter 10? Like, think about this. This is 500 years after David. He was not talking about David physically being the the shepherd over Israel. David was dead. In Acts chapter 2, Peter points this out. He says, you can go to David's tomb and see where David is buried. But instead... David is being used as a shadow, an explanation, a metaphor of the Messiah to come. Ezekiel is pointing back to David saying, hey, remember that promise that God made? Remember that promise that God said through the line of David there would be one who would sit on the throne and rule forever? Remember that promise that he would take our people, our people who are broken and scattered and and exhausted, and he would restore us? And he would not just be a king who rules on a throne, but he will be a good shepherd who is faithful and leads his flock. What an incredible promise to the people who are reading and hearing this. But here's the difficult thing. This is 500 years before Jesus. 500 years is a long time and a lot of generations before this is fulfilled. If you're the Israelites... gotta be hard. You were taken over by many nations and many rulers and scattered around. You had to endure hundreds of years of waiting on God's promise. And the truth is, is that a lot of us can identify with that in a small way. We have had those dark seasons of life. I can say honestly, I have had those dark seasons of my life where I feel like God's promises are far from me, where I feel like God is not audible to me, where I just, I, I don't see um, I, I just don't see him working. I feel like he's mute. I feel like the world that is around me has conquered me and it is surrounding me. And, and if I'm being honest, these seasons, when I'm having these seasons, it's less like feeling bad and it's more just like feeling numb. I'm going to go off script for a second, which might be dangerous, but, but it's it, if I'm being totally honest, like, I, I had these moments this week. I had these moments when I was writing the sermon where I go, God, what are you trying to communicate here? And I'm reading the promises of God, and I'm going, why do I not feel them? Why do I not see them? The thing is, though, in those moments, we trust in knowing that God is faithful, and then we look and we see the way that he has acted throughout history. When we are going through those seasons... We have a good and great God who has promised us life abundantly. He doesn't promise always to take away the numbness, but what he does promise is to use these seasons for his glory. I remember a promise that was told to me when I became a believer when I was a teenager, and this has stuck with me forever, is that God doesn't waste a pain. It is all used for his glory. And I imagine that these are the promises that the Israelites held on to for generation after generation as they waited for these promises to be fulfilled. So with that in mind, that's what we celebrate on Christmas, right? That's what we celebrate. With this in mind, let's reread John chapter 10. Let's reread John chapter 10, 11 through 15. Jesus, in addressing the public, says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Can you imagine what it would have been like for the public to hear this? For, for the Jewish people in the crowd who grew up hearing the stories of David and reading the prophecies of Isaiah and Ezekiel, can you imagine what it would feel like for these people who have endured pain and suffering over many years for Jesus to say, I am the great shepherd? Here he is. He is the one. He is the one who will lead his people. It must have been like a a, a cold glass of water on a hot summer day, or, or maybe a more Wisconsin analogy right now is a hot cup of chocolate on a cold winter's morning. The, on Christmas Eve, I had a really unique opportunity. Um, I was playing the bass for, for the band, and the last song we sang was Silent Night, and as we finished the second verse, I was done playing the bass, and so I took my, my in-ear monitors out of my ears, and, and in my ears, all I heard was Joe singing, which, Joe, you sounded great, I went, I, went from, I went from just hearing Joe singing "Silent Night" to taking out my in ears and hearing the whole congregation singing "Silent Night." I got goosebumps. It was incredible. It feels something like that to hear Jesus say, "I am the Good Shepherd." The sheep who had been scattered had their shepherd out right in front of them. Jesus claiming to be the Great Shepherd, he makes his call to his sheep. He makes this incredible connection from the Messiah. And God and himself, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And here is the call that the shepherd gives. It's the exact same call that he gives to the disciples. Follow me. Two simple words, follow me. And there's there's a truth in this world that I think that we sometimes, we either ignore or or sometimes we embrace all too much. But it's the truth that we all follow someone. Period. And I'm not talking like a literal following someone, like follow the leader from Peter Pan, um, or more accurately. So my daughters are four and two, right? We have Maggie who is four and Shiloh who is two, and they're getting old enough to now old enough now where they play with each other and they purposefully try to like annoy one another. And yeah. And the other day, I I was in the kitchen, I was eating breakfast, and. I, I saw my oldest daughter, Maggie, just like marching from room to room. just. And then there was my two-year-old daughter, who was just like two steps behind her. just. And, and finally, after like five minutes of doing this, Maggie, my oldest, threw up her arms and said, Dad, tell Shiloh to stop following me around. I looked over at Shiloh, my two-year-old, and all I saw was this big smile spread across her face, and she was like... <laughs> She knew what she was doing. She was just driving her big sister angry. In one sense, when I say that we all follow someone, I'm not talking about this like literal following someone from room to room. Um, But in another sense, I am kind of talking about this following like because even though she was just following her literally room to room, she cares about what her big sister is doing. I see these little things that my oldest daughter does that now my youngest daughter does, and I go, oh, you learned that from your big sister because you want to follow her. Sometimes we have a difficult time embracing this truth because we like to be self-made people. We like to be, I am me, I am self-made. But the truth is, is that we all had, had parents we have all had people around us, for better or for worse, who have influenced our lives, who we have, in one way or another, followed. We all follow people, and because of that, we're all sheep. <laughs> it, it always amazes me when that gets thrown out as an insult sometimes, and they say, you're a sheep. And I go, yeah, absolutely, Jesus is my shepherd. We're all sheep in one way or another. God, when piecing together the fabric of all of creation, knew that there was going to be an animal that we referred to as a sheep and that there would be a profession to care for that animal that would be referred to as a shepherd to care for that sheep. And in his love for his creation, he said that that would also be a way that he was going to describe describe his love and his care for his people. And and listen, I just made like one small connection of shepherd in the Old Testament when going from Isaiah to David to uh, Ezekiel. But the term shepherd is used all over the Old Testament to describe God. Obviously, the big one is Psalm 23. Everyone knows the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But, But it is everywhere in the Old Testament throughout the Psalms and the prophecies where God has the term shepherd used to describe his relationship with his people. So, when Jesus says that he is the great shepherd, it's kind of a big deal. He is the one to lead his people, he is the one we ultimately follow. It's easy for us in in the 21st century context not to have, or to have kind of like a low understanding of what it means to be a shepherd, um, especially in like a biblical context. But the shepherd was one who tended to fed and guarded the sheep. So not only was the shepherd in charge of the physical care of the sheep, but the shepherd had to care for the emotional, the mental well-being of the sheep as well. They had to make sure that the the sheep was fed, that they they went from a lamb to a fully mature sheep. They they had to care for the sheep. And and sheep are incredibly skittish, too heavy of a hand, and you would harm the sheep. And, And too weak of discipline, and the sheep would wander off. The shepherd typically had a handful of tools at their disposal for caring for the sheep. There was equipment for feeding the sheep. There was a sling. They typically had a sling for protecting the sheep from wild animals and predators. They had a rod, they had like a knob at the end that they had to use to, to discipline and to lead the sheep. And I think this one's actually kind of cool. I didn't know this, but they also had a flute. And they were oftentimes musicians as well uh, that they would use to calm. The sheep. This is the role that Jesus says he has with his people, with us. He is our great shepherd. He cares not only for our physical well being, but for our emotional and our mental well being. He protects us in ways that we will never fully be aware of. He disciplines us in ways that are sometimes difficult, but ultimately for our own good. He knows our voice. And he says that we will know his. It's a unique relationship between shepherds and sheep is that literally sheep know the voice of their shepherds. They recognize that voice. And it's the promise of Jesus that his sheep would know him. And and it can be easy for some people to hear that and go, awesome, Jesus knows the religious. He knows those who do the right things. He knows those who go to church every Sunday and pray just right, the ones that are part of the Bible studies. He knows them. He doesn't know me. Sheep of Jesus are not arrogant or self-made. The sheep of Jesus are those who know that they are sinners. The sheep of Jesus are the ones that know that they are broken people living in a broken world in need of a shepherd. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, Jesus addresses this. He, he's getting a lot of flack from religious higher-ups because he was spending time with the perceived lowest of low. But there's this incredible parable, and you, you probably know it because it's very well known, uh, but it goes like this. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, Luke 15, 1 through 7. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, "'This man receives sinners and eats with them.' So he told them this parable, "'What man of you, having a hundred sheep, "'if he has lost one of them, "'does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country "'and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? "'And when he has found it, "'he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. "'And when he comes home, "'he calls together his friends and his neighbors, "'saying to them, "'Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost.' Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus goes after the sheep. So here's the the truth. We are all either that one sheep who has wandered from the fold, or we have all been that one sheep who has wandered from the fold. There's no middle ground. When we hear this parable, one of two things should happen. Number one, it should bring incredible comfort to the sinner who recognizes their brokenness and need for a savior. Maybe that is you this morning. Maybe you, for the first time, are hearing the call of the great shepherd. Or maybe number two... It should bring you incredible joy to remember the moment when Jesus pursued you and brought you into the fold. Remembering the moment that he went out, he, he forsake the 99 to pursue you. What great, incredible comfort in this truth. For those who are not following Jesus, I feel the need to say this important truth. I feel, I feel the need to say this very Clearly, you were created by God to love God and to love that which he has created. And while you were created with that purpose, you do not follow it because you are broken and sinful. So am I. We love ourselves more than God and we love ourselves more than that which God has created and because of it, there is brokenness in the world. But take hope. Jesus, The great shepherd is calling you to turn from your sin, to turn to him. He is faithful to forgive. And not only is he faithful to forgive you of your sins, he also paid the price for your sins. So that one, you could have eternal life with him and two, your current life in the here and now, you could have a right relationship with him. The great shepherd is seeking you out. Follow him, confess your sins, turn to Jesus. And if you want someone to talk to after this service about this, Please talk talk to me, find me, find one of the pastors, find someone to talk to this morning about it. I want to address one other thing before we wrap up our time in John chapter 10, because I wanted to go more in depth in this, but I feel like it's important for us to at least comment on it. Because we can't finish our time in this passage without talking about the hired hands, right? In verses 12 through 13, Jesus talks about hired hands. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. When I had originally read this this these these couple of verses, my mind immediately thought, oh, these hired hands are awful people, don't follow them. But then I did a little bit of digging, and I, I actually I was I was talking to my wife Sarah, who, by the way, I feel like I do this all the time, where I'm like, I have this, I feel what I feel like is a great revelatory moment. And Sarah goes, Well, yeah, obviously that's what it is. And I'm like, okay, Smarty Pants, just trying to catch up to you. All right, got it. Um, this, this, was, this was like this moment, is I thought that the hired hands were people we needed to avoid. But I don't think, after studying this, I don't think that's what Jesus is trying to communicate here. Listen, hired hands during the, time, during the, the biblical times were commonly used by shepherds. This, this was common. Shepherds used hired hands to help tend to their sheep in various ways, but the difference between the shepherd and the hired hand is what happens when the wolf comes around the shepherd will lay down their life for the sheep, not the hired hand. The hired hand will ultimately flee at the sight of the wolf because the hired hand is both like you and me. It's both like you and me and it is both you and me. And what I mean by that is that we are used as hired hands by God to care for his sheep in all sorts of ways. It's how we love and serve one another. And if we are hired hands, then it means that those who love and serve us, those who have influ- influenced us, those who have made a difference on us, are also hired hands that have been used by God. But here's the common thing that all hired hands have in common. They are all broken and flawed people. Jesus said in Matthew 10, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can both destroy the soul and body in hell. My question is, are the hired hands who you are following, who we are allowing to influence our lives, do they lead us to the wolves or do they lead us to the great shepherd? The question isn't whether or not you're going to have hired hands in your life who God uses to shepherd you. We're all going to have earthly people who influence and lead us. We have got to constantly be holding up those who are leading us here on earth to the standard of the great shepherd. What that also means is that we should go out of our way to seek and find people who are doing their absolute best to follow Jesus, and we should should allow them to serve and love us. Ultimately, no person here on earth is going to save you. You are not going to save you, and you are not going to save others. It is the great shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, not the hired hands, but the hired hands are used by God. So my, my prayer is, church, that as we're moving into a new year, and, and I know that it's, it's kind of silly to say that because the difference between 2020 and 2021 is like, what, one second, right, on a clock. It's 11.59, and then it's midnight, and that's the difference. It's... But there is something to it. We do put stock into it. My hope is that as we're moving into this new year, the truth that we find in John chapter 10 that we would hold on to it tightly, that we would think of Jesus as our great shepherd, that Jesus would be the one that we follow, that when we think of Jesus and when we think of him being a great shepherd, that it would remind you of God's faithfulness throughout the entirety of history, his faithfulness to his people across thousands of years. He is faithful. If you're going through that dark moment of life, remind yourself that God is faithful faithful. Jesus promises to be your shepherd. He promises to tend to you, to feed you, to protect you. does not mean an easy time here on earth. There will still be troubles, but he promises you that none of it will be in vain. It will all be used for his glory. I hope that as we move into a new year, that we will be honest and willing to evaluate those who we, it, who we allow to influence our lives and hold them to the standard of Jesus. And how we do that is by making sure that we are soaking ourselves in God's word, that we are spending time reading the words of our great shepherd, that we are spending time in prayer with our great shepherd. And the promise is this. He knows his own and his own knows him and he lays down his life for them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, thank you that you would use thousands of years to show your faithfulness. God, thank you that you would lay down your life for us, your creation, even though we rebel against you, even when we thought that we, even when we make ourselves out to be God and and cast you aside, that you lay your life down for us. God, thank you. Help us to love you more. Help us to love those around us more. God, give us a drive and a passion to be a people who love their shepherd, who follow their shepherd. God, give us a passion to love and serve those around us. You are so good. We give you all of the honor, all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.